0: Well, the show just got shaken up. There's some breaking news I've got to get to immediately out of the gate. I'll spend more time with it here later. Uh, But yeah, this is rather significant. Uh, Donald Trump has just thrown David Perdue under the bus down in Georgia. It's one of the most eyed contests in the entire nation. Uh, David Perdue uh, had been backing Brian Kemp, came into the race, uh, after much urging from Donald Trump and has flailed about, there is new polling out in Georgia uh, that dropped this morning that has uh, Brian Kemp at 56%, 56%. He's also uh, beating Stacey Abrams already at 50%, which for perspective is better polling than he ever generated in 2018 that polling comes from I'm trying to get back to the poll um and it's not good yeah 11 alive uh Georgia gubernatorial poll has Kemp uh well ahead of Purdue it is 56 to 31 and has Kemp ahead of Abrams, 50 to 45, with 5% undecided. Uh, Very significant. Also, it has Brian Kemp winning Hispanic voters. Now, I've told people, if you listen to this program for a while, if Kemp could win Hispanic voters in Georgia, it prevents the Democrats from winning, and he's doing that in the polling. But Donald Trump has given an exclusive interview to the New York Times. Let me read you the quote. Remember, you know, my record is unblemished. The real story should be on the endorsements, not the David Perdue one. And by the way, no race is over. Um, He's pretty much recognizing David Perdue. Is not going to win the race at this point. We will get more into this later, but we gotta I, I actually wanna start where I wanted to start the show. I can spend more time on this later. Uh some of you don't find it relevant. I'm I'm fascinated by it. But, 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 but we we gotta we gotta start here. I'm going to play you some audio. You need to know what's going on here. Just if you have kids around it, it's actually not terrible. Um, It's erotic fan fiction, Harry Potter style. Went looking for some prefects in the bathroom one day. But instead I found Harry and so I said, hey, I helped him solve the mystery. Yes, that, my friends, erotic fan fiction for Harry Potter, who in this book, you should know, in this particular book, The Goblet of Fire. I've read it. He is 14 years old. This is a song being sung by a woman who wants to have sex with a 14-year-old fictional boy. That woman is Nita Jankowicz, who Joe Biden has just put in charge of the disinformation office at the Department of Homeland Security. That's right. Uh, This is the same woman. Uh, She will be in charge of the disinformation governance board of the Department of Homeland Security overseeing disinformation in the United States of America. Nita Jankowicz also believed that the Hunter Biden laptop... Yeah, look, look, look. I'm trying to move on because it's kind of disturbing, is it not? Uh, she wanted to, to have sexual relations uh, with, with a 14-year-old boy, uh fictional boy, no less, and she and a friend of hers started this. Now, they were in college, you should know, at the time, just for perspective. They were in college, and they started a duo that sang fan fiction songs about Harry Potter. Um... Um, I, I I got nothing, y'all. I'm sorry. I got nothing. This is the woman in charge of disinformation now. She thought the Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian disinformation because the experts said so. So if the experts said it, it must be so. The experts have been getting a lot wrong these days. And she also believed the Christopher Steele dossier was true. She believed Christopher Steele's dossier was true. She believed the Hunter Biden story was false. uh, And she's in charge of disinformation. You know, this is a dangerous precedent. It is a very dangerous precedent. Because it will allow the, can you imagine you, you get the next Republican governor just in the hypothetical, let's say it is Ron DeSantis, and he puts Marjorie Taylor Greene in charge of the Department of Homeland Security's disinformation governance board, precedents matter. I've been saying this. Since I've been in politics in the 90s that neither side seems to pay attention to the precedents they're setting. It's one of the reasons I thought the Florida situation by getting rid of the tax district wasn't wise because it will inspire the left to start getting rid of the tax exempt status of, say, Christian private schools that don't comply with their indoctrination agenda. Now, you can say they're going to do that eventually anyway, but they haven't. It's like the, the the chicken and egg game the Democrats play with the filibuster. Well, the Republicans are going to get rid of the filibuster. We might as well do it. But they haven't. They haven't. By the way, they're not going to, as I mentioned yesterday or day before, they're not going to get rid of the tax district now in Florida. They can't. Uh, legally, they can't. Um, But... There is this obsession with disinformation. Keep in mind, going back to Barack Obama's day, Barack Obama hired Linda Douglas of ABC News. She'd been at ABC News. She was hired, brought over. She started essentially a disinformation office in the White House for Obamacare. She encouraged people to turn in their neighbors if their neighbors were lying about Obamacare. They wanted the emails, the email chains. They they had an email address you could forward stuff to so they could debunk the lies about Obamacare. It was a big deal. She, by the way, left. They closed the office, and now she's back in the media at the Atlantic. This revolving door between Democratic administrations and the media continues to fascinate me. Rarely does it happen on the right. It happens so much on the left. I mean, uh, what's his name? Um, um, Jay Carney had been Time Magazine's Washington correspondent, became the White House press secretary. Shiloh Murray, who is at the Wall Street Journal, became Joe Biden's press secretary. David Axelrod had been at the Chicago Tribune. Um, It's just it's fascinating, the revolving door. Nonetheless, what's going on here is important. And you need to understand this. It goes back to the the Democrats unable to get the American support for Obamacare. Democrats constantly believe that it's the message and and they've got to work on the message and that Republicans lie and people are stupid, which they are, and they believe the lies. And it's the lion. And they got to combat the lies that everyone would love their policies because they pull so well. Keep in mind, Obamacare never pulled well. And they became convinced everyone wants this. It must be the lies. It's the disinformation. It is the mythology. Now, this will be a little repetitious for some of you, but I think we need to revisit this. We, it, it is fundamentally important that you understand what is happening here. 6,000 years ago. Yeah, we're going way back. We're going way back. 6,000 years ago. There was the Battle of Troy, some believe. Eh, It would have been 4,000 years ago. And Homer, you know, it was an oral history. People talk about Homer writing his poem. Homer didn't write the poem. Homer gave the poem, and it was memorized by others, and eventually it was written down. And some of the details were so precise that archaeologists could uncover Troy based on those that oral history that uh, a 1,000 years after the oral tradition began was written down. But uh, they explained things as the gods overlooking the battlefield and having preferences. The Greeks explained the world around them with the development of the Greek mythology that the Romans then largely co-opted, changed the names, but most of it was the same. Do you know why the sun goes across the sky? Because Apollo Helios rides his chariot across the sky every day with the sun. And at night, his twin sister Artemis goes across the sky with the moon. That's that's why the sun came up and went down, and the moon came up and went down. The seasons were caused because Zeus's sister Demeter had a daughter named Persephone. Persephone was married off to Hades, the god of the underworld, and Demeter was furious, furious that her brothers made that deal for her beloved daughter. Demeter was the goddess of the harvest. And so the deal was struck that during the summer, Persephone and the spring could come out of hell. And as Persephone came out of hell, all the flowers bloomed to greet her beauty. In the summer months when her mother was there and happy, everything was green and pretty. And in the fall, her mother began to despair because she knew soon her daughter would descend back to hell and the leaves began to turn brown and die, and then Persephone would come, and her mother would turn her back on the world in those three months in despair, and the winter would come, and things would be dead because Persephone had descended back to hell. And that's how they explained the seasons. Every culture has mythology. Everyone believe some level of mythology. Atheists would tell you that Christianity and Islam and, and Judaism are mythologies despite so much history and eyewitnesses, which the Greeks never had. But the left has their own mythology. They can't accept that people are leaving them. For decades now, the Democrats have been told that they would be the dominant party. They believed the mythologies concocted in the past that they would become the dominant party, that they would have a generational demographic shift in this country, a new coalition of black and Hispanic and Asian and and college-educated white people. They finally got that coalition and turns out that no one wants to be in the same party with the Karens of the college-educated world, and so people are fleeing the Democratic Party. They can't believe it. Since Richard Nixon's re-election in 1972, it was the first time that it began to be uttered in the press regularly, demography is destiny. That's when the media began to predict the collapse of the Republican Party. In 1972, Richard Nixon's re-election was going to happen, for sure it was going to happen, Because uh, the number of black voters in this country was rising. College educated people wouldn't tolerate the party of Watergate and yet it's never really come to pass. And even now, the Democrats tend to do better with the popular vote as progressives cluster in New York City and Chicago and Los Angeles and San Francisco. There are more of them than there are of us, but they have clustered together. And so the world that they exist is a world that doesn't actually operate here under the rules of the American Constitution. And their mythology now is that everything is delegitimized. There is systemic racism. The systemic racism is why the United States Senate exists and it deprives them of the destiny they believed they had and adding to this mythology as it becomes their secular religion they add to it disinformation and misinformation everyone would like them if only those nasty republicans stopped lying on fox news They've got ABC, CBS, NBC, PBS, CNN, MSNBC, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, the USA Today, the Chicago Tribune, the Los Angeles Times, the Miami Herald, every major media outlet in the country except Fox News and talk radio. And they're convinced it's it's all the lies, the lies on those outlets that they don't control that cause them to lose. It is the disinformation. It is their mythology. It is what allows them to explain what's going on to them without ever having to realize or accept that the public has turned on them. Nobody wants to recognize they've been rejected. So the Democrats have created this mythology of disinformation. And now to put in charge of it, the priestess who will now be in charge of disinformation, the disinformation governance board, is a woman who believed that the Hunter Biden story was also disinformation, even though it was true. She believed the Christopher Steele dossier, even though it was false. And she sang erotic fan fiction songs about a 14-year-old boy. That's who the Democrats have decided will save them from disinformation. Maybe it's not the disinformation. Maybe it's them. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation from Atlanta, Georgia. That is an important detail because unbelievably Georgia is at the center of the political universe this year. It, It is a swingier state than Florida, which no one expected. And President Trump uh, has decided to weigh into Georgia more than any other state with his endorsements. He's endorsed in the gubernatorial race, the lieutenant governor's race, the secretary of state's race, uh, the attorney general's race, the insurance commissioner race uh, and various congressional races and the U.S. Senate race. Herschel Walker leads by the way if you're in Georgia uh, I am scheduling interviews with all of the senate candidates on Monday of next week Kelvin King is going to join me in studio on Wednesday Josh Clark Uh, uh, two weeks later Gary Black we are working on Herschel Walker and on Latham Sadler as well uh, we're only doing the Senate race that that's the one that impacts really everybody in the nation and uh, people are really interested in. We're not doing the gubernatorial one because I've, I've really that's the one I picked aside and it wouldn't be fair. Um, and man, uh, there is new breaking news here out of Georgia. If you weren't here at the top of the show, uh, this is something. Brian, or David Perdue has just been abandoned by Donald Trump. Uh, In an interview with the New York Times, he conducted the interview yesterday. Uh, This is the quote from Donald Trump. Remember, you know, my record is unblemished. The real story should be on the endorsements, not the David Perdue one. And by the way, no race is over, he concluded. Uh, David Perdue the Trump team has been for a couple of weeks now uh, whispering they were unhappy with his performance they did not like that uh, he would lose Ted Budd looks like he's going to win in North Carolina I'm trying to get Ted on the show by the way we've got an affiliate up in North Carolina Southern Pines uh, Ted and I have known each other for a while good dude and he's ahead in the polling there we're going to try to get Ted on the show so you guys can hear from him um, some of those were where uh, the Trump endorsement was solid David Perdue not so much and now new polling is out in Georgia. And that polling has Brian Kemp at 56% and at 50 against David Perdue and at 50% against Stacey Abrams. No public poll conducted in this campaign season has had David Perdue ahead of Brian Kemp. Not a single one. And the last four polls have had Brian Kemp outside the margin of error against David Perdue and also above the 50% threshold to avoid a runoff. Same with Abrams. Uh, Kemp is actually outperforming Stacey Abrams better now than he ever did in the public polling in 2018. In 2018, they were frequently either tied or Abrams was slightly ahead. And Kemp is just dominating her in every single poll Kemp is well ahead of Abrams. He has only appeared in one poll below fifty percent against Stacey Abrams, and all the others he's been fifty percent or higher. Uh, and lately, all the polling has him above David Perdue. And this is fact. This quote from Donald Trump is devastating. Uh, that he uh, he says that, that people need to praise him for his endorsements, not the David Perdue one. He's recognizing that Purdue – and Purdue, by the way, has had two very terrible debate performances. His entire platform at this point is the 2020 election was stolen. There's a constituency for that. But the constituency for the election was stolen is far smaller than the constituency for we must stop Stacey Abrams and there's only one guy who can beat her, the guy who beat her four years ago when Purdue couldn't even beat John Ossoff last year – Bad, bad news today, this quote from Donald Trump about David Perdue here in Georgia. And the polling coming with it is devastating. We'll be back. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Delighted to have you with me. Just clarifying because someone called the newsroom asking for clarification. No, David, uh, Donald Trump is not pulling his endorsement of David Perdue. He's just telling the New York Times, uh, the real story should be my endorsements, not the David Perdue one. Um, in other words, he thinks that David Perdue is going to lose and is walking away from him uh, without formally pulling his endorsement. That's a pretty damning quote. Uh, nonetheless, uh, we got other stuff we got to move on to. We got to get to uh, because this is a telling story. Um, David Brooks. David Brooks is an interesting guy. He is He's not really a leftist. He's not really conservative per se. You know, back in the day, he was at the Weekly Standard and they were all in the national greatness. They 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 were John McCain Republican sort of things. They're moderate sensibilities, uh, robust American foreign policy. He's a, a studier of student of American demographics particularly the, the class divides in this country. He's got a piece in the New York Times, though, seven lessons Democrats need to learn fast. And this gets to what I was talking about yesterday. And, and so the, my point on focusing on this is you could take everything I said yesterday and say, well, oh, you're a partisan. I, I'm not going to believe you. Listen to David Brooks. We all make mistakes. The question is, do we learn from them? Over the past couple of years, people on the left side of the political and cultural spectrum have made their share. These have contributed to the Democrats' extremely bleak political prospects going into the midterms. Far worse, it is now quite plausible that Donald Trump could win re-election in 2024. If we're going to prevent that kind of catastrophe, it might be a good idea to learn the relevant lessons. Now, I'm not going to read you his entire piece. I I do want to give you the bullet points. One, it is possible to overstimulate the economy. There is an interesting nugget here, though, that, that pushes back against one of the Democrats' talking points. The Democrats want you to believe, well, inflation is a global phenomenon. These other countries didn't do what Joe Biden did in terms of COVID stimulus, but they've got inflation, too. Here's David Brooks on this. Much of the inflation is being driven by global energy and supply chain issues. But at 8.5%, inflation in America is a lot higher than in, say, Europe. Some economists estimate that the Democrats' $1.9 trillion American rescue plan added between two and four percentage points to the U.S. inflation rate. Pushing back on their mythology. Two, law and order is not just a racist dog whistle. Three, don't politicize everything. Four, border security is not just a Republican talking point. Five, people of color is not a thing. Six, deficits do matter. And seven, the New Deal happened once. I want to go to the people of color thing. It was always odd. This is Brooks. It was always odd to create a group identity that covered a vast majority of humanity in this country. The phrase people of color sometimes covers over a wide array of different ethnic experiences. It contributes to a simplistic oppressor oppressed narrative in which white Republicans are supposed to be on the other side and POC are supposed to be on the other This made it harder to anticipate that Trump would make the impressive gains among Hispanics in 2020 that he did. Hispanics still lean Democrat 48 to 23, according to a Miami poll, uh, IRC Miami poll. But their loyalty to the Democrats is weakening. According to the same poll, more Democratic Hispanics have switched their party affiliation in the past year than Republican Hispanics. More Hispanics agreed than disagreed with the statement, the Democratic Party has been kidnapped by progressives. The underlying story here goes, and listen, I don't plan my shows, I don't even plan hours to be uh, thematic, but there's a real theme shaping up here with the Democrats the Democratic Party has created a mythology to explain away what ails them. And it's not helpful. It's like the people who have, and I've known people like this, who had uh, chronic recurring pain and dismissed it constantly until it was too late because the cancer had spread. And there was nothing they could do about it. They dismissed it constantly. Listen, listen. I nearly fell into this problem. Y'all have heard this story before. In 2015, I decided to get back in shape and join CrossFit. All horror stories begin by joining CrossFit, you should know. And I couldn't keep up the young guy who was the coach. He just kept adding more weight. Oh, you'll get over it, push through it, push through it. It was harder and harder to catch my breath. And I just, it's old age, it's old age. And I finally stopped going, and I went back to a trainer I'd worked with before, had an easier time working out, and still I was having such a hard time breathing, and at first it's like, it's allergies, it's allergies. It finally got to the point where I could not walk up a flight of stairs without having to sit down. My wife said, you've got something wrong. No, I don't have anything wrong. It's allergies. It's turned to bronchitis. I'll be fine. My doctor agreed with me. He gave me some antibiotics. Still got worse. It literally, y'all, I'm not making this up. It got to the point where the act of getting into my bed at night left me out of breath. The act, once I had gotten in bed, laid back in bed, I was out of breath. That's how bad it got. You know, I'm a fast walker, and I would walk through the halls of the office and have to stop and catch my breath. People were like, there's something wrong with you. It was like, eh, it's allergies. I'm, I'm getting I'm out of shape. There's nothing wrong with me. And finally, my wife called my doctor without telling me. And my doctor's like, You got to get him to a cardiologist. There's something wrong. The cardiologist did one scan on me and said, You got to get him to the emergency room. I was in the ICU for a week and the hospital for two weeks. My lungs had filled up with blood clots. It very nearly killed me. It was a call your family moment, literally was a call your family moment. Um, the doctor who saw my scans, I was in the cardiac ICU unit. They were putting the tubes in me. They were putting the oxygen mask on me. They were filling me with blood thinners. And the doctor standing at the door saw the scan and asked if they had taken that body to the morgue yet. That's how bad it was. And I believed until it was almost too late. That it was just allergies. I believed until it was almost too late. I was just out of shape and old. And it very literally nearly killed me. I They gave me 24 hours to live if the treatment didn't work. Politically, that's what's going on with the Democrats right now. It's disinformation it's misinformation, it's Republican lies, it's people don't know what's going on, it's our message, it's not our policies, it's all of these things that Democrats have consoled themselves with to avoid having to deal with the underlying reality that people have turned against them. People don't like them right now. People don't trust them right now. People think their priorities are disconnected from the reality of their lives. And when the Democratic Party ultimately is controlled at this moment by a lot of people who are more well-to-do than most people listening to me right now, it skews their landscape. It skews their worldview. And it causes them to miss what ails people. And you need to understand this. You need to internalize this. Republicans do this too. This isn't partisan. Republicans will get to this point as well. Republicans always get to this point. Remember, back in 2006 when the Democrats took over, Republicans were telling everyone, if you disagree with the war strategy, you're not a patriot. Meanwhile, moms and dads were having people show up at their houses to announce that their sons had been killed in Iraq and Afghanistan. And they were furious. Oh, but no, no, you're not a patriot if you don't have George W. Bush's back. Republican members of Congress were getting carted off to jail for corruption. We can't put the Democrats back in charge because they will make America less safe and they internalize the talking points. And I was one of the people back in 2006 writing at redstate.com saying, this is going to be a disaster. You've got all the messaging wrong. You've got all the policies wrong. And the Republicans were doing then what the Democrats are doing now. is just the message. It wasn't the policies. No, no. I was telling them back in 2006. I was writing at the time. It is the message is wrong, but the underlying policies are wrong. People are tired of the war. You haven't looked like you're keeping people secure. You need to double down in, in keeping Iraq safe. It's going to be hard. And also, I was saying back in 2006 to the Republicans... If you do not purge from your ranks the corrupt members who are getting carted off to jail, the voters will hold you accountable. You must hold your own side accountable. That's why to this day I get criticized by people. It happened yesterday when I was talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene people criticize me. You're so much tougher on your side than the other side. I think you must be a closet Democrat. No, I have no sway over whether the Democrats clean up their own side, and if they don't, it works to my advantage. But if we don't clean up our own side, the voters eventually will. The voters in Marjorie Taylor Greene's district, there are enough Republicans there that if Jesus Christ ran as a Democrat, he would lose to Marjorie Taylor Greene. And of course, she would say he was controlled by Satan anyway, which she did to the Church of America yesterday but if we don't hold our side accountable the voters will they won't be able to beat Marjorie Taylor Greene but they'll be able to beat the Republicans in swing districts because of her idiocy voters don't like people like that overall if we don't hold our side accountable the voters will hold our side accountable and what's going on with the Democrats right now is they won't hold their side accountable They can't do it right now because the Democratic Party, the media is so obsessed with the Republican crackup, they can't realize the Democrats are on the verge of a major crackup between the left and the far left. The left looks moderate right now compared to the far left. The left does not actually want to defund the police. The far left does, and the far left disproportionately gets media coverage and media sympathy because so many reporters are on the far left. So in their minds, their problem is messaging and disinformation. And in reality, their problem is their policies. And it's going to cost them in November. And you have guys like David Brooks of the New York Times devoted an entire column to, hey, y'all, please figure this out or we're going to get Donald Trump again. That's the Democrats' problem, though, is that they're doing all of these things because they think they've internalized in their mythologies and their myths in the stories they tell themselves at night that to do what they're doing is to keep donald trump at bay when actually ironically is to be a little more like donald trump and his policies and that'll keep him from coming back now let me take some phone calls before i get to commercial break here uh i want to go to jeff who's been waiting patiently jeff welcome Yeah, you know, thank you eric thank you for taking my call um This idea of a disinformation bureau is just so patently ridiculous. If someone believes disinformation is being spread on Twitter, write a rebuttal. Right. Make your case. Then the original writer can rebut the rebuttal and back and forth. Readers can then make their own decision after seeing both sides of the issue. That's the way the system is supposed to work. This whole idea of the disinformation bureau is just a joke. It, it, that's all it, I to say. it is. Listen, Jeff, thanks very much for that. It is a joke uh, led, led by a girl with erotic fan fiction for Harry Potter makes it even more of a joke. Uh, the best combat of disinformation is truth. You think they're lying? Speak truth. But they don't want to do that because the reality is, and that's kind of the tell here, is it's not the message that's the problem. It's the policy. John, you're up next. Welcome to the program. Hey, Eric. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Doing good, doing good. Hey, regarding the upcoming governor's election, if Trump is charged or convicted of asking the George Secretary of State to commit fraud by magically finding eighty thousand votes, do you think the Trump serves will stay home and and in turn Kemp would lose the election? Uh no, not really. Um one I I I don't think it, it would be possible uh for it to happen before the election. I, I actually don't know that it's going to happen at all, but even if it did, uh, when you look at the underlying data in the polling, it has very little to do about Trump in Georgia. This is something I think the Purdue team has missed. Uh, the angst in Georgia is all about Stacey Abrams. It has nothing to do with Donald Trump. Uh, the voters in Georgia are so focused on, we must stop Stacey Abrams, even independent voters. Kemp is leading independent and Hispanic voters, and the number one reason Kemp is leading them is not because of what he has done, but because of who he is not, Stacey Abrams. And the GOP, I think, has to remember that, and the Democrats do as well, that candidates matter, and and Abrams actually has not done a very good job of building out her base of support. Even this program that her nonprofit did of paying off people's medical bills looked opportunistic to people. It did not come across as genuine and sincere. It looked as if it was uh, opportunistic. She went around the state paying off people's medical bills and then turned it into an ad campaign for her gubernatorial race. It looked opportunistic to people. It left people with a bad taste in their mouth and candidates matter and policies matter and Abrams policies and candidacy are too flawed for most people now. We got to get to commercial break. But before I do, y'all all know that, you know, by the way, there's economic data out today uh, in the private sector. Inflation estimates is that and contrary to what the government is expecting, the private sector thinks inflation is going to go up even more and that it will not have peaked. As a result, the Dow right now is down 510, NASDAQ down 307, S&P 500 down 92 as I'm talking right now at uh, 1250 on the 29th. We're seeing 40 year high inflation, interest rate hikes, increasing gas prices. If you got $50,000 or more in your IRA or your 401k or retirement savings, it could be at risk. You don't have a lot of options, but you can protect your money with physical gold and silver. If you call my friends at GoldCo at 855-904-5333, you'll get a free wealth protection kit to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Listen, thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings, and many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. Call my friends at Gold Co., find out how you qualify for the special offer. Gold Co. has helped thousands of Americans protect their retirement against inflation and stock market crisis. They might be able to help you. See if they're a good fit for you. Uh, Text ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. I'll send you back their phone number so you can give them a call. Text ERIC to 33777. I'll send you Gold Co.'s number. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Glad to have you with me. The phone number, if you would like to be on this program, and today we're a little looser with the phone calls, so you can maybe get in if you're not crazy or drunk. (laughs) It's not an open container Friday, folks. The phone number is 877-973-7425. 16 states are suing the Postal Service because it plans to buy, get ready for this, gas-powered vehicles. That's right. Uh, 16 states joined by the District of Columbia, the City of New York, and uh, a San Francisco Bay Area environmental organization are suing the post office because it plans to replace its aging fleet with thousands of gas-powered vehicles. They've got 230,000 vehicles, making up one-third of the country's entire federal fleet. It plans to buy gas trucks, uh, but the federal government has pledged to replace the federal fleet of 600,000 cars and trucks with electric cars. The post office uh, says they've reviewed it. They've looked at the regulations, uh, and they need it to deliver uh, consistently. They want to convert to 10% electric But they can't keep costs down and manage the mail. If they're forced to try to buy all of these electric vehicles, it would bust the budget. Um, The agency says it conducted a robust and thorough review and fully complied with their obligations. You will not be surprised to learn it's a bunch of Democratic states. California, Connecticut, Delaware, Illinois, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, North Carolina, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Vermont, Washington, the District of Columbia, New York, and the San Francisco Bay Area Air Quality Management District. Those of you in North Carolina, pay attention to this. Uh, Your uh, progressives in your state are controlling your uh, lawsuit trying to get the post office to go bankrupt by buying a bunch of electric vehicles.